All right, so what is Soyana Technologies? I'd like to say that Soyana is a marriage between the human and device ecosystems to unlock the potential of us. We started this whole project almost a year ago now. We had a mission to make coping cool again. We were talking about mental health, wellness, thrivability, talking about devices, talking about health tech, and just kind of diving into this water and learning. And what we found is, despite not talking about it too much, a lot of people are dealing with this stuff. So by building products in the space that look cool, that look sexy, that look beautiful, we could flag to one another that, hey, I care about my brain and my body and my wellness. And, you know, push back against that cultural thread that wellness is somehow taboo or not cool. So from making coping cool again, we have grown, evolved into unlocking the potential or the superpowers of, of one another through our devices. So, you know, with that thought seated in the audience's mind today, um, we're taking the opportunity to really introduce who it is that has been co-creating this thing that is Soyana Technologies. So um, I'm, I'm rambling a little bit, but who am I, right? I'm Ava Pipitone. Um, you know, use whatever gendered language you want for me. Um, I really love it when, when people use they and them, but he, she, it, as long as it comes with love, I'll be with love in that connection. And I am a serial entrepreneur, futurist, and friend. Um, at this point, I feel like I have equity in at least five companies, like two cafes, um, one real estate, uh, eco-village, owner-operator startup, and uh, Soyana Technologies, and Host Home. So I think a lot about systems and systems design, uh, starting with the human system of an individual and moving on to the community system and the civic systems, national systems, and global systems, and how we can better allocate resources where they are needed. Uh, and I believe all of those changes, not just start within, they are the same. So if you want peace at scale, you have to have peace at all dimensions of scale, including the individual, the group, the culture. So that's who I am. I like to say I'm a systems architect or a theoretical designer. Um, but hey, I'm not the only one on this call today. So who are you over there? Well, nice to meet you. My name is Isabel Maloof and I am a trauma-informed scientist and I am passionate about helping people unlock their inner healing. Um, my background is in molecular biology, and I guess I can say I've also done some, some biohacking of mice in my day. I used to do a lot of CRISPR work, so really just thinking about how we as humans can up our capacity to, you know, enjoy life and be more playful and be more present. Those are, those are the things I'm really passionate about. Sounds great. Yeah, I think presence is a, is a wonderful place to, to start today. Um, just glossing over um, biohacking mice. Um, that's definitely <laughs> for a future dialogue because <laughs> the technologies, we have hope 
um, for the future of human and devices. And that's gonna involve some conversations with our species neighbors and broader conversations around what it is to have peaceful sentience. Um, but for today, we're, before we go into those big bioethics dialogues that could give some people, dare I say, anxiety. <laughs> we may want to talk about anxiety. We may want to equip our audience with the actual tools that we use to engage these conversations and keep it cool. Um, so that's sound good? Sounds like yes, that great, sounds uh, great. Awesome. Yeah, stress and anxiety are my other favorite topics to talk oh, about. <laughs> Hey, and you know, just in, in the uh, world of a global pandemic where like rate of adapta adaptation is exponentially accelerating and like, honestly, adaptation is the new normal. How can we navigate without having mastered our, our keeping our ship on course, right? Keeping ourselves centered. So maybe as a, as a, like how to do this discussion, I'd love to, you know, bounce out some things towards you and then, you know, you can science them and like obliterate them or be like yeah that makes sense and here's some here's some reasons why that jives with you know my academic background etc so sound good sounds great i'm excited all right all right we'll just start tossing ideas back and forth so um one thing that that i think about with with anxiety is it's it's typically when you're out of center and when you're in the future or you're in the past when you're thinking about others and not thinking about self Right, if you could see us right now, um, what I'm doing is I have one hand on my belly and one hand extending forward, right? So I am connected with my gut, with my you know internal biome of, of community, and I'm extending outward, right? This is centered and connected. Some people put their hand on their heart and extend a hand out, same, same concept. But to be anxious would be to maybe have both hands out or to be have both hands out and be a little bit your center of gravity is away from the, the base of your, of your scaffolded system, your body. So I, I, that's my operative definition, right? It's being off center, being dislocated self as the most important. It's uh, in the future, in the past. Am I, am I getting there with some operative definition? Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, I think that anxiety, like when we think about how it manifests in humans, a lot of times when we think of like social anxiety, um, especially it is racing thoughts and racing thoughts about like, oh no, like, did I, like, was I talking too much? Was I awkward in this one moment? Did that person, like, what did they think about that thing that I said? And like, that is a lot of us existing in a different time that's not the present. And um, when we talk about what anxiety looks like um, on a physiological level, it is that we are being taken out of our rest and digest and into our fight and flight from our parasympathetic to our sympathetic nervous system. And mm. um, yeah, so what you're talking about are, are definitely how that can manifest. Mm. Let's, let's go there. So, so I like that we kind of establish a little bit of a baseline uh, around time. And maybe before we go into the, the, the nervous system engagement, et cetera, um, and maybe some rhythms between like the, the cardiovascular system and the nervous system and when they're in harmony and a state of coherence and, and that those things are really trending right now. So, so before we go into that dialogue, um, just this conversation of social anxiety where our thoughts are racing, right? One, one thing, when I look at that, I think of we're creating, we're creating, we are creators, you know, in the beginning there was the word, right? We are creators. 
um, and we made this whole world that we occupy in and hopefully we can connect with others and then have others in our world that we're, that we're constantly making and maybe we can co-create with those others. But in, in, the, in the case of I'm arriving at a party and I'm parking my car outside or I, I'm right outside the door or whatever, whatever it is. Showing up and to a Zoom meeting, what, what have you. Sure, showing up to a Zoom meeting and it's like, this is the new anxiety, right? Okay, great. Um, yeah. <laughs> you walk in and you're suddenly looking at everybody. Um, yeah, so it's, what are they going to think? What are they going to create? Those are all future. They haven't happened yet. And we're taking away, well, when we create those worst case scenarios, we're taking away the, um, the, the possibility for, for them to be creating joy or the possibility for them to be creating us as amazing or us as like that like a blessing in that moment or us as a friend or us as a, you know a, an unequal and 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 a valued contribution and um, a colleague or a teammate or uh, a contributor in this in the joyful play that's going on right we're taking away all those and we're we're instead creating a future where they will they can't create us anything because we've already created us for them as awkward We've already created us for them as failing or disrupting. We've already created ourselves for them as we're going to rock the boat, pop the bubble, kill the vibe. And then we go in with that mindset and we attract subconsciously and every, every linguistics we choose and the parsing and the phraseology, we, we attract those types of connections. So then they connect with us as bursting the bubble, killing the vibe. Yeah. They connect with us in those ways because we are projecting that as the way to connect with us. I think you're touching on like a very important thing here, which is like self-fulfilling prophecies and how important the stories are that we tell ourselves. And um, I have a very good friend who like has, who struggles with anxiety a fair amount. And she was telling me that she likes to create a um, catastrophe journal. And journaling is like one of my favorite coping skills, just like period. Like best way to work out the stories you tell yourself is to write them out slowly and see the words that you're choosing because that will tell you so much. But what I love about the catastrophe journal is that it kind of shows you that like this anxiety brain that you have is like not serving you because it's like oh like in our in my anxiety journal it's like what if there was an earthquake like what if everything exploded and it's like that's not helpful or useful and if we're carrying that like stressful energy with us like that can literally manifest itself as like you know heightened levels of cortisol because we are telling those stories to our body we're telling our body that it has reason to freak out and so we shift into that fight or flight mode into that stressful stressful place hundred percent hundred percent well it's not even prevent we are creating our present moment so like mm. we are creating that shift we also could create a, a centering we could create an anchor we could create stability in ourselves as our word ourselves as our mindset ourselves as our heart and then we can effortlessly move forward as who we've created ourselves to be and enroll others in that possibility right Definitely. so we're, whatever whatever we're creating or if it's a shift if it's like if it's down we have created ourselves and then we go about and we enroll others in it. So mm-hmm. I, I just, I just want to be mindful of like who it is we are, we are creating ourselves to be um, as, as like, a, you know, a, a really a mindful and linguistic and precise um, way of thinking about anxiety. Cause you know, we have to really own that for many of us, we may have been creating ourselves as an anxious person. Mm. We may have been creating ourselves as um, always caring about others at the expense of ourselves. We may have been creating ourselves and, and like to really catch that, 
we can go and, and really analyze, like you said, journaling and writing it down. We can go and write, you know, my, like say a, a colleague, uh, we shared a story with a colleague and then we believe that they like judged us and this has informed the way our relationship has moved on since then. And we have this whole story we've built up around this event that happened. Um, but if we go back and write about it and there's what happened, right? Like we, this exchange happened. I told them a story, right? That happened. And then they received a story. And then since then, you know, we've interacted with one another. But in, if we were to write this all out, we might notice that we have generated the awkward layers. We have taken away the opportunity for them to create in our world what, how they actually received it. We may have even like taken away the opportunity for the other person to like love what it is we shared and like vibe with the unique thing that we were contributing. And we have just instead taken that agency from them and, and given them our story that like, oh, I gave you this vulnerable share and they didn't like it, it was awkward. And now it's been awkward ever since. And da, 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 it's been awkward, it's been weird. And we, we're not friends anymore. Mm. And we have to be radically accountable that like we created all that. <laughs> we, we, we generated did that um and 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 i i really think um i love this 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 thread is going towards accountability and anxiety right and i and maybe this is a, like a coping framework um thinking about going back and and writing it down and and analyzing these stories these past events and really distinguishing how much of this happened and how much this is story that we created around it and we can let go of story, right? We can rewrite story. And we, and we can even let go, make space, and then hear what other people's stories were about that, right? Um, so, so yeah, maybe, maybe I'm curious, this thread about journaling. So what, what is it, um, how do you use journaling to, like, like use the word catastrophize earlier? So say yeah. more about it. Yeah, so catastrophe journals, I don't like as much for me personally because I don't like to feed parts of my brain that like to do that because they do that enough. Um, on their own, but um, I, t I tend to do like a more like holistic kind of journaling or at least the journaling I found that I stick best with that works for me. And I do want to note journaling. Um, I interviewed like over 20 um, people with like long-term stress conditions and they all said that journaling was like the one coping skill that they always stuck with and that has always helped them. Um, and I think that that is like very important and profound because like, um, you know, when we look up to people that we like emulate or you're like, wow, how did you like come from this to that? And they're like journaling, you listen. <laughs> I'm holding up yes. like right now. That's so I many. More, and I have more than this. I just bought a whole new supply of travelers. I bought those leather, the leather cover for it because I don't know, I'm emotionally purchasing during COVID. Um, I, bought, <laughs> I bought like one of these leather bound things for travel journals. And then okay. I bought like a million inserts. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> it was like 10 bucks for a pack of 20 of these little five inch little inserts. That I, just I mean, no, that's a bargain. I was gonna say, we might be pivoting into our coping skills related to anxiety. So we can are. definitely put some, some links and uh, talk about what our favorite things are. Because my so my personal favorite journaling platform is 750words.com. They do not pay me, but I think that they're a wonderful place. And um, I think it's like free for the first 30 days. And then like you can donate $5 or like donate $5 a month and then you get to use it forever. But it is um, basically like a safe encrypted online journal that after you write 750 words, which is approximately three pages, it gives you like this like readout of like, 
how many times you used like I or them or like with a word bubble at the bottom of like which words you use the most and then like did you talk more about like food or like you know uh affection or something like that and it gives you like this whole data readout which like I love because you know colors and data my two favorite things and um what I think is really useful about the fact that it's 750 words is that you kind of get to the stuff that's like right underneath like you know you kind of get to the root of things when you give yourself enough time to just like think and to just like talk and just do a stream of consciousness you kind of like unpack like oh yeah there's really no reason for me to feel this way like this is me i'm doing this i'm choosing these words and i'm building this story and to be able to see that is so so important 100% seeing that um, and seeing is the operative word. We call that watching the thinker mm. in like meditative arts, right? That's when you're watching the thinker and you're, you're, so you're writing, you're the writer, you're creating, and then you're, this, this tool is helping you then observe and generate data on. So now you're watching um, and like, who is it who is then consuming the data about what you wrote and who had been writing, who is now that last person who is like, who is it who is observing the watcher, right? Like we have yeah. to, there's these degrees of removal from the actual moment of like authentic sharing. And the truth is like, we are all that, right? We're all yeah. those layers. And mm-hmm. the different dimensions of your awareness is, is like when people talk about like which state of consciousness you're in, right? And, mm-hmm. and you know, to be in that, that like fully engaged, fully integrated, multidimensional observation state and also be in you know that intuitive flow generative creative state it's it takes a certain type of inner peace and stability and centering so so here we are again um (laughs) and and, you know to the bit about like flowing into our coping skills i you know it's just natural we designed this podcast to just flow (laughs) (laughs) uh, for me um you know I want to I want to give a shout out to one of my mentors. Um, he's here in in this area. We're in Baltimore. Um, he's in Maryland. Um, his name is Yannick Silver, and he writes about the Cosmic Journal. And that's one of the reasons why I have accumulated this mountain of journals because I've just been like, all right, Yannick, I'm taking you seriously. I'm diving in. Um, let's go. And I'm really gl- glad I did because um, I have been recording my dreams every morning for over two years. Um, and pulling out lots of uh, inspiration ideas and synchronicities through that, especially retroactively. Once a month, I go and I, I do a little fast and I and I go over my journals and things. Um, so a lot of a lot of wisdom that comes out that we miss. So I encourage dream journals for sure. But uh, yeah. but I have a I have my my journal my journals have been digital for the last that whole time. I have like the the daytime like idea. I have a cool idea. Let me keep it somewhere. And I have Google Keep just saturated. Google Documents just saturated. Um, and it's funny that my Google ads now are tailored to the, some of the content in there. So again, not encrypted, not the best. So <laughs> what's the best encryption, what's the best security, like a physical thing. Um, mm-hmm. And I, as I pivot back into this, um, not only did someone randomly give me this black space pen, which I love, he just randomly gave it to me. Um, and it just goes with my whole aesthetic of all my little gadgets are genuinely black. Like it's kind of a theme. Um, yeah, I was gonna say, can you speak a little bit more for the, uh, the about the space pen for our, our auditory viewers? <laughs> oh, sure, space pen. Yeah, okay, it's pressurized. Um, space pens have really are pressurized, and they uh, the 
So it's about, you know, two and a half to three inches in length and it's shaped like a little torpedo. And then you take off the cover and it doubles in length because you put the cover on the back and now it's the length of a typical pen. Um, the inside has a, a pressurized chamber, so you can write upside down underwater and in outer space. They were developed by, uh, yeah, they were developed by um, NASA when they had to solve, you know, how to have pens in space. And, you know, of course, this is like when you have a bunch of engineers in an area, like, see problem, solve problem, squirrel, chase, squirrel, chase, squirrel, chase. <laughs> it's very different than, like, the Russians who just have pencils in their... <laughs> So it's like, talk about, um, you know, industry and ingenuity, innovation for innovation's sake is absurdity at certain point. Um, so uh, I digress. Um, I've no, been I love journaling. that. Yeah, so just like, the, I've been journaling by hand again, and I'm finding that uh, a lot of my, like, I'm a, I, I used to draw, paint, and painting is huge in my life. So all of these old skills are coming back but through a new layer of awareness. So now when I am writing and then I start doodling, it's like, it allows a different part of me to engage. And, I, and now that I'm aware of these different trauma modalities and um, different types of psychotherapy, there's like, you know, asking a question with your right hand, answering with your left hand. Hmm, you I've never heard that. of that. Can you oh, say a little really? bit more? Sure, yeah. So you, especially in dealing with people with high ACE scores or adverse childhood experiences, you can mm -hmm. write a question with your dominant hand, like, you know, how am I feeling today? And then you take your left hand and you answer it and you'd be surprised, like, just keep writing. Don't, don't critique the, like, the dexterity and the, and the, and the you know, effectiveness with the writing technique with your non-dominant hand, but just keep moving it and writing. Um, and you will be surprised at, like, how blood flows during that, that, like, less typical, um, you know, motor skills, act activating your brain differently. Um, and the, the blood flow is different. So it can unlock uh, a deeper, less conscious answer um, to those questions. And people often like your inner child and parts work can actually take the forefront, take the spotlight and answer those questions. Um, and then going back and really like reading that together or reading that with a therapist can be really powerful. That's so interesting. I've never heard on, of that before. I did want to touch on something really quick. Um, your excitement about your pen and your materials, I think is super important because um, we only use coping skills that we like. We only use tools that we enjoy. And so I think if um, you know, you the listener are looking into journaling, it's important to find a journal that you like best, whether that's one with lines or if you're like me and you like to doodle, maybe a Bujo is your best fit, but like finding something that is comfortable and makes you like excited to use is super important. Hmm, totally. And, and, you know, especially in the digital space, like now touch is huge. And we should definitely mm. do a podcast where we talk about like, um, they call it skin hunger, but it's 95% of Americans and, uh, today do not have their touch needs met because we have binarized touch between like either mm. sexual or violent. And we've lost platonic touch after a certain age. And it's like a really huge cultural deficit. Like most cultures have platonic touch and it's actually key to not only like immunology, but to also like, like social harmony and like community cohesion and resiliency. So like, let's like bookmark that for another podcast for sure. But just on the Definitely. touch piece, of new, yeah, just the yeah. touch piece of new materials. So like, I have the I bought the leather cover. It was like ten bucks to mm -hmm. on my journals because you know I'm getting a bunch of these cheap paper journals because um, I don't want to worry about them. But when I put it in this leather, it's like I I really have 
like some kind of somatic tactile experience engaging with yeah. this right um and it's like oh I, this is part of me this is like an extension of self this is like my spell book where i have all of the things that work for me that may not pass scientific method validation reproducibility but like this is the magic that created ava in the way that got me through all of the, the chapters of the previous mountain of journals that are in the other room and that that is that that's important to me like i love that yeah, so. definitely, definitely. I think that there's like a lot more focus on touch now than there was before. And I think that that will only increase, you know, with people quarantining and people like being isolated. Um, and I, you know, hope maybe this gives us a little bit more perspective into like how we are treating incarcerated people and like maybe why, you know, certain systems are not as re rehabilitative as we would like them to be because like humans need certain things. Humans need to move their bodies. We need a certain amount of leafy greens and we need hugs. Humans need hugs. Yeah. Um, and, and I think you also touched on something really important, which is that stress and your immune system are tied together, like super tight. <laughs> and um, uh, that's why everyone, another reason why everyone is like focusing so much on the mental health care right now is because it's, that's what keeps you, you know, that helps with your body's ability to, um, basically become inflamed. Uh, so I won't get too much into this because immunology is not my favorite, but um, basically they found that in people with chronic depression and stuff that they will actually get, like some people will get inflammatory tissue like in their brains mm. um, for that time. And so taking care of ourselves and using these coping skills is super, super important right now. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like this, and, and let's respect that that uh, that flag to not go too in on it right now. Um, there's like holistic, yeah. So it's like you can you can cut something out or, or segment, hyper segment, and then like mm -hmm. uh, like precise vector intervention, right? That would be like an allopathic Western approach versus like an osteopathic, which is like uh, supporting the body's ability to heal itself, right? So an mm -hmm. osteopathic would be like let's rearrange the like spinal cord, like as a chiropractor would, or let's like ad address the like uh, inflammation, inflammation with like turmeric and anti-inflammatory diet and, and, and those things. And that would, that would then reduce inflammation, allow the body to move resources where they need to be without the ambulance needing to have the siren on so loud as it cuts through all the traffic, right? There's going to be less traffic or the, the roads are going to be wider, right? Mm -hmm. So like, I hope the metaphor serves. Um, so that, that's interesting stuff, but let's, this tactile bit, and the, the state of pandemic and making coping cool again. Weaving those three threads together, I think we're pretty close to the foundation as, of, of like which our first, our first product in this overall thesis of how can we marry the human and device ecosystems. Um, you know, we can't just go and jump right into the world. Like we, you know, I could say like, let's build, you know, this a augmented reality interface that you know, doesn't require hardware. And like, mm -hmm. we meditate to this frequency and we broadcast in this frequency and et cetera. I could go off on that, but I, you know, how much of the world is ready for that um, versus how are we getting to a point where more people are ready for that in the culture? And I'm looking at the, the kind of the, the theology of data, right? The, the, the data religion and how it's actually been, been like pretty well received and gaining momentum um, and it's, it's pushing us into like an at-home distributed health system, telehealth and biohacking, right? Biohacking is getting more sophisticated, telehealth is coming more into the home, and now like everybody's becoming 
what once would have been a little bit less mainstream of biohacking is becoming a pretty much a mainstream modality with all of the information that's available. So in that current, we have players such as Bella Beats, who has, you know, your biometrics for wellness, um, really great women-owned uh, company that's, that's marketed towards women, really love what they're building. Yeah. Uh, and, we, and we have the Aura Ring, which is a wearable smart ring that does biometrics around sleep, stress, anxiety. Uh, and these are, these are, you know, first products, first movers in the space. We learned a lot. And now we're realizing like, what are people actually using? What data is actually creating community and the consumption um, and what's not. So we're seeing some, some really clear trends. Like people are cramming as much tech as they can into a ring and the ring costs 300 bucks and then it breaks or whatever. So we're, feel, we're learning a lot in that space. And then, you know, people are using Fibbits, but they're not really religious to using them. They're a little bit too weirded out by the privacy around all that data going to their employer or et cetera. And so I'm just kind of laying the landscape here, right? And as, as we're sitting here at Soliana Technologies and we're thinking about hope and we're thinking about getting this to the mainstream, there's a piece where something a little more manual and much more like accessible price point wise uh, that can create this data that is not yet at the forefront. Um, and, you know, I have experience in like with neurodiversity theory, uh, dwelling in neuroexpansive communities where people challenge the concepts of normal, of neurotypical as, as not actually existing, let alone being um, embodied by any one individual. So in those spaces, we find coping skills um, around like fidgeting habits, fidget spinners, um they're, they're called it's called stimming and uh, and, and we can go in on that this for a little bit I was say, i'm literally doing it right You're, now like yep, you were you talking go. about where your hands are and i'm like yes i am uh playing around yep. with this hair tie because it's great <laughs> and you know it's time when people start talking about it more because we're, we're actually when you have these like microsomatic engagement it helps us get the full system engaged in receiving processing and integrating information um it also helps us like remain centered and calm in our own system, not get overwhelmed. Um, so this, this whole thing, listening to music while you're learning, it's the same, all the same science. But just to, to keep the conversation grounded, we wanna bring this, the power of fidgeting and, and making it you know, mainstream, not disruptive in the office, not too noisy, not too flashy. You don't have a bow staff twirling around in the office unless you work at home and your name's Ava. Um, <laughs> but we, we don't want to have like a loud fidget spinner either that's bothering your, your colleagues. Um, but we could have a ring. Yeah, we could have stim, a ring. but make it fashion. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So we could have a ring that you just manually fidget with that is connected to your smart device, that is quantifying how much you're stimming, how much you're fidgeting, when, how forcefully. And if we knew that, we would be able to see what spikes are fidgeting, what spikes are anxiety. If we're using fidgeting as a proxy for anxiety, of which is not a perfect proxy, but it's a, it's a window. So that's some of the thinking we're, we're doing here. Um, and I wanna just, uh, just kind of bring this, this concept of fidgeting to the forefront because I think it's, um, you know, in, in a, one of my friends, uh, Michael Rios, we should get him on the show sometime. He works with children with incredibly high IQs um, and he helps them adjust because these kids, sometimes they become Asperger or autism, they develop that, that in their lives, um, but sometimes they don't. Um, and he says the ones that are most successful at integrating their STEM habits, they all have STEM habits at a very young age, 
they become imperceptible. And the more imperceptible the stim habits mm. become, the more social integration was some of the stuff that he had found and he had shared with me. Um, so we are making coping cool again, making stimming cool again, because in this era of like data saturated tech native culture, so much information is coming at us. Even the most intelligent of us need help integrating, processing, receiving, and 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 you know staying grounded. So yeah, that's that's the that's the thought. Um, you know, definitely thinking about names and really interested if you are out there and you have experience with uh, mechanical engineering and these smart rings, um, or you're a jeweler who's thinking about mental health and wellness. Like we would love to to hear from you, Soyana.io. Um, and we would love, you know, other other designers who are working in this space to definitely reach out um, and chat about it. So what do you, any, any thoughts, um, Isabel, around like the ring as this, as a fidget, a fidget tool? Um, anything, anything that I'm kind of glossing over that I said incorrectly with the science? Or did you, any flags? No, definitely. That's all, um, that's all very real. And I think that uh, even like, you know, trauma scientists, like people that are very grounded in like the molecular and like physiological ends of things like are turning towards like Buddhism because mm -hmm. we're finding like mindfulness is very key to wellness. Mm -hmm. And um, I think you also touched on the stimming that is the most, would you say like the least obvious or what yeah. would you put it? imperceptible imperceptible yeah. yes that imperceptible yeah. fidgeting is and use of stim is super important because um, that was another thing that came up in my interviews was that people are like i just want like i just want this to take up less space in my life like i want anxiety i want these like things to take up less space and they take up the least amount of space if it's just something you wear it's just an accessory that's just like in your hand already and you're messing with it or like mm -hmm. playing fidgeting around with it rather um right that is like the most imperceptible as if it's already built into us 100 percent. and you know people in you know i think i'd say divergent isn't the right language of people in um in in the space where there's in identity formation and typically as lgbtq folks again people advocating for neurodiversity or different levels of physical ability when they're embodying or creating themselves as a divergent to some other mold um and you know that this is like a pre-integration stage in, in like psychological development where you realize that like actually i'm an asset and actually my like uniqueness is an incredible value add to the contribution and co-creation of what it is we're bringing to the world and like every company is better for having queers every every team is better for having someone who's like physically interdependent on others for for various things everybody is better because of those edges that those 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 contributors bring to the moment it's like whoa you you've like you've you've lived as like all different types of genders and had experience like structural and systemic um like gaps and oversights and like overcame like wait a second what did you learn am i doing something right now that i'm aware, unaware of it's like thanks for asking I love to share um, what I've noticed. Um, so like there's, there's huge insights and value add in, in, in if you want to be the most competitive or if you want to have the most successful, um, you know, a, a birthing of it is of your idea in the world, like you may, you may want to consider um, having an increased sense of belonging that's fully rep representative of all of these unique human beings that are, we're sharing this planet with. So I digress. Um, but in those spaces, like let me just use specific language for those who love their flags. Um, in, in queer spaces, um, non-binary and trans space, 
trans spaces, a lot of folks have, you know, crystals and rocks and things. And they have like, they have fidget spinners and, and Play-Doh and things. And at a certain point, you identify that that is like, this is how we get here. And then when you, when you kind of integrate, mature and stabilize, um, you, you, they, you can begin to, to, to do it without the device, right? Without the toy, right? So what our hope is at Soyana is that you start using your ring. So you get your, your biometrics on track and you get your fidgeting down and then, you know, you can, you can, you can thrive without it, but know mm -hmm. that it's always there and you can feel what it's like. You establish that baseline. You know what it's like to be on center and to be moving. And then when you feel off, you can like self-correct more effectively. And, or if you need help, the ring is there, put it back on, let's go. And let's see where your data actually is. How far have your stats dropped? Like how far out of center are you? So the, the, the queers, like we, we don't all carry around our crystals anymore. You know, we talk about when we first, in the first four years, you know, we had our crystals and like our, you know, our amethyst did this and our, and our saffrodite did that. And, and now we realize that it's our heart did this. Mm. Our body grew that, right? And we now we know which mudras are, are like fidget spinning, right? And we can actually, without even a fidget device in our hand, you can like be mindful of your fingerprints rubbing against each other and the sound and texture of that. And that can be the imperceptible stim, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that bridge is super important because I think that, especially coming from like a hard science background, um, they like to kind of be like, oh, that woo woo stuff. And it's like, um, you can't explain why acupuncture works. Please sit down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're, we're getting there. They, 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 that's again, like, like integrated. Let's talk about non-binary, allopathic, mm -hmm. osteopathic, non-binary. What is actually just, just like being human and caring for the human body. Um, so I, I, I believe that in, you know, in Japan, when acupuncture is on, lived in Kyoto for two years, um, and, and acupuncture is covered by insurance. And has progressed beyond just putting the, the needles in the meridians and actually talking about like electrostim and then like deep muscle stimulation and deep acupuncture. And they'll talk to you about like the vectors of motion for certain tasks and how they all intersect at certain points. The, the like nervous system firings to move your fingers in certain patterns, like go through certain vectors and those intersection points in those vectors and those correlate to the meridians. Like, I don't know, are we gonna prove that the astrology and meridian um, pattern uh, correlations another day. I was gonna <laughs> do say, do we want to take a quick break for my theory about why astrology is real? <laughs> um, well, you know, maybe we should wrap. We should say, yeah, hey, more say. to come, more to come <laughs> in the uh, in the Slyon technology space. Um, if you want to give like a little plug on it before we wrap. Yeah. Up. Okay. So, I would love to talk about the intersection of astrology and epigenetics. Mm. Oh. All right, you got me. That's interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, because I was just this whole morning. I was spending time talking to my um, my my family. It's a holiday here, Memorial Day weekend. So talking to my family about um, the 27 year old, all all the stars who died at 27 years old. And I was like, oh, it's the Saturn return. And then I said, like neuroscience, you know, like you're talking about like the state of your brain during certain neurological puberty and like white matter and things. And that's like coming to a completion around that time. And now you, yeah, we we were kind of bringing in neuroscience linguistics to articulating what the Saturn return is and pulling a little sadguru, a little uh, inner engineering, paradigm stacking, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't work, all kinds of cool stuff. All right, clearly this more threads, but just just like rehash what we riffed on today. Um, we we kind of introduced what Soyana is, 
you know, who we are, right? I'm Ava Pipitone, you know, serial entrepreneur, futurist, and friend. Um, you're Isabel Maloof. You know, you're, you're a trauma-informed scientist. Yeah, and we're and we're here and we're surrounded technologies. Valeria is not on this podcast today. Maybe she'll join us for other episodes, but she is uh, also an entrepreneur, social entrepreneur, social design, and working with textiles, experimental textiles, fabrics. And Soyana is that marriage of human and device ecosystems to not only make coping cool again, but to unlock our human potential. And we are embedding technology in our jewelry and our fashion, um, thinking about things like synesthesia, centering optimizing uh, and, and what it means to be human. So we talked today about, you know, what anxiety is, being present, being centered, not in the future or the past, not other people, but centered in self and extending from center. And we talked about mindset and how you can enroll others in the mindset that you're generating for yourself. Um, and then we went in and talked about some of our coping skills. Um, journaling came up a lot. Uh, we talked about other folks who do catastrophe journaling and then how the tactile, the tactile experience of your journal and your coping devices is, is really important for you to have uh, engagement with them. And then we moved into a little riff on, on jewelry and, and how we believe fidgeting is that entry point for people into really using what it is they have to make their stimming imperceptible. So that's really it from us today. Um, you know, welcome to podcast one of Soyana Technologies. I hope that you found something insightful. Uh, and again, Soyana Technologies is that marriage between the human and device ecosystems to make coping cool and unlock our potential. And I am Ava Pipitone. You are Isabel Malouf. And thank you all so much for joining us. Please check out www.soyana. Io for a list of our products. Uh, check out our blog, and that seems to be it for today. Uh, yeah. Love and wellness to you all. Wait, we forgot to talk about the Arma mask. Good point, Isabel. Thank you so much. Uh, what is what's the Arma? So the Arma shield, which comes in a mask and gator form, is a perfect blend of breathability and protection, and it has three layers of fabric, one of which is moisture wicking, two if you get the sporty one, and it also includes a filter that has colloidal silver, which has been shown to be antimicrobial. Ooh, right, right. Well, thank you for bringing that back to the forefront. I actually had my Arma um, for the first time this weekend. I wore the, the mask. Um, I will say it was very lightweight, and I was wearing it. I kind of forgot I was wearing it. I got hopped on my bicycle, and I'm riding around Baltimore City, and then I'm like a bike rider with a bike, with a mask on. I don't know if you're supposed to do that or not, or is that necessary or not, but I didn't feel uncomfortable, which is a huge difference from the other masks that I've been wearing, where like I, if I was on my bike, I would be like, whoa, my face is sweating, right? Not the case with the Arma. Um, and when I was wearing the Gator, I was actually in the, um, I went to Second Chance, it's reclaimed, um, like, uh, construction material space and I was getting some stuff for my house which I'm working on and I was wearing the the Arma Gator and I again forgot I had anything on it's just breathing in and out felt like fresh air coming in and out so huge props to Valeria for getting that great relationship with our textile suppliers um, yeah. and you know making these available we're actually looking to, to equip all of Baltimore City's uh, essential workers with these masks and we would love you to have one too so check out soyana.io and just go over to our shop and you'll see them there. We're also going to include the link in, uh, in, in the podcast description and on Instagram. So you will 
have no trouble finding us. Um, and why don't we throw a little, little link to, uh, to Yannick's uh, journaling stuff there and a couple other topics that we mentioned. I believe Michael Rios has some content online we should rep. Um, so awesome. This has been a really good first podcast. Uh, look forward to all the threads we seeded being explored much more deeply in future iterations. So thank you all so much and be well.